Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. Uh, the election's over. Biden is at 306 electoral votes. Uh, and let me tell you, um, that is the highest electoral uh, vote for an, a challenger against an incumbent. Uh, only twice in 180 years has someone gotten higher. Reagan in 1980, you know, we've talked a lot about that, and FDR in 1932. And then... Um, if you look at the percent of the vote that Biden got, it was higher than Reagan received in 1980. And you have to go again all the way back to 1932. FDR is the only one who scored higher on that front. So it all in all, this was a big um, victory for Joe Biden. Uh, no uh, challenger to an incumbent president has done as well as he did since FDR in 1932. And, and he actually go back 180 years uh, to find the next time where a challenger did better against an incumbent. So uh, it's pretty strong showing. Um, but yeah, there's still a lot going on out there. Uh, recounts will be happening. Uh, so we'll be talking a little bit about that. Uh, Alex, what do you got? You know, I really like not having the countdown to election day. It's really nice. So everyone except one person seems to know that the election's over. And that one person's obviously Donald Trump. Uh, this week, it sounds like McConnell and almost every Republican is still supporting the president's Hail Mary legal efforts to somehow get a victory out of this resounding defeat. They keep on enabling this guy, huh? Yeah, well, of course they, they have to. Uh, uh, I, I don't think any of this is anything than they're playing Trump. Uh, McConnell's playing him like a fiddle. Um, and I think this is all uh, from all the Republicans. I think this is literally all about Georgia. They know uh, what Stacey Abrams and Democrats were able to do. Uh, and it was 10 years of her efforts and others to build that kind of organizational uh, strength in, in the state of Georgia. They know that's what they're up against. So you have to on their side, if you're Mitch McConnell and you're the majority leader, and you don't want to become the minority leader. And every single one of the chairs, you know, chair of intelligence, the chair of uh, you know, different committees, judiciary and otherwise, they want to remain the chairs. They don't want to be ranking members uh, and in the minority. So what do they need? Well, they, they need to win two states in Georgia. What do they need to do that? They need to replicate that massive turnout that Trump generated, not them. I don't think Purdue or Loeffler did that. That was Donald Trump. That was all, massive turnout in rural uh, areas of the state and across the country, uh, that turnout that he generated. So they're going to need him to go down there and and do all those rallies. Uh, you know, hey, could you go? Yeah, so here's the problem. 48 Republican senators uh, say, Mr. President, it's time for you to concede. Oh, and then by the way, 
a week from now, Mitch McConnell gets on the phone and calls President Trump up and says, hey, you know, after we recognized Joe Biden and told kicked you to the curb, could you please go down? We don't don't be mad at us. Go down to Georgia for us. Uh, I don't think that would be turning out very well. So it's no, Mr. President, we're fighting. You fight on. You fight on. You fight on. Oh, and by the way, you know where you can get, don't take revenge out on us, take revenge out on them. Show them what for down in Georgia. Get down there and campaign. So this is all about them maneuvering and playing to, to Donald Trump's ego uh, in a way that they're playing him. They're playing him completely. Um, and yeah, it, 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 there's a lot of danger in that for democracy and everything, but they don't care. This is about... This is just about uh, hanging on to power. And to hang on to power, they need Donald Trump one more time. Um, They may need him in 2022. They may need him in 2024. That'll remain to be seen. But they damn well know they need him uh, on January 5th, and they need him now. And the only way to keep him in the game is for them to all be with him, talking about how he should fight on, that this was all a fraud, uh, that's why you have the two senators down there go out and call out their own sec- Republican secretary of state uh, as either being incompetent or in on the corruption. Um, and so you were fighting for you, Mr. President. We're calling our own Republican secretary of state out uh, to fight for you. And, you know, Mitch McConnell and everybody is out there uh, playing to him. And they're not going to they're not going to to stop doing that. Uh, because they can't. Uh, and so they, they understand that. It's not, a, it's not so much a fear of him now as it is a need for him now. And that's what I think they're playing to. And, and, and they know that they can steer him into an all-out campaign effort in Georgia by, by asserting um, all the fraud charges, by defending him, and not recognizing Biden, and then and then pointing all that anger and all that revenge seeking that the president has in him on a mad dash, 10 rallies in Georgia to get out his vote. Um, and I think that's exactly what, that's all this is about. It's the only thing this is about. So meanwhile, as the Biden lead continues to tick up, I think we'll see a couple hundred thousand more votes over the next couple of days and even more as a lot of these Democratic leaning states count their mail in ballots. He's getting closer to where some of the national polls had him in the last couple of days. I got to ask for your take on on where we are with polling right now and what the hell we're supposed to do moving forward. Uh, look, I, I don't think there's any way around it. Polling's broken right now. Uh, it, you know, the, a lot of the fixes that uh, uh, pollsters uh, looked at in 2016, the Pew uh, uh, put out a, a, a study that uh, talked about what what pollsters got wrong in 2016 in underrepresenting uh, uh, non-college whites. Uh, all the pollsters like rejiggered things and oversampled uh, that group or or made sure in their modeling they increased it and it didn't work. Uh, there are big, big uh, uh, examples of it. I mean, everything from, uh, you know, the, the poll that had Wisconsin, uh, Biden up 17 points in Wisconsin, uh, you know, like 10 days out or so, uh, and we went by, you know, 20,000 votes. 
uh, you know, in Alabama. Uh, look, I, I think we had the best pollster of the party, uh, and he called it exactly right all the way through 2017. Uh, but when you're going into that election um, with, you know, thinking you're you're in it, and you you wake up and and it's a it, you know we clearly did not. And by the way, we were oversampling and overmodeling uh, what we thought would be you, you know more than the benefit of the doubt on, on, uh, the modeling that would show an increase in those voters, but nothing like what happened. Um, and the same thing in Montana. I mean, uh, uh, Tester, Senator Tester was, uh, uh, saying that uh, I saw him, him quoted as saying that he had been telling, uh, people calling up donors and telling them they had to give to Bullock because he was, you know, up a few points. And that now he felt like it was false advertising because, the polling that he was quoting had nothing to do with uh, what the actual results were. He couldn't believe the results. So you have these examples all all around um, that just say, "Look, the, the whether it's Republicans aren't don't participate in polls, or a, a big sizable group of them don't participate in polls. Uh, whether that's you know uh, Trump." Uh, impact on, you know, the mainstream media, the fake, fake polls, fake news, uh, and that that had some impact on, uh, not in the way we used to usually talked about it before the election, you know, are they shy voters? I don't think it was because they're shy. I think it was because um, they, they don't, they don't want to participate. Why, why am I going to give, tell you what I think? Uh, more belligerent than, than shyness. But, uh, whatever it is, uh, we thought it was corrected. It wasn't, and that's not su- sustainable. So uh, I, I really do think, uh, you know, it, it, it rationally you have to just say the truth. Polling's broken right now. You know, the the, the one thing, though, uh, regardless of the polling, uh, Alex, you, you're right. Um, uh you know, Biden, is, I think it could get to maybe be, you know, a six, seven million uh, vote lead over over Trump. Uh, it could be, you know, five or five points uh, by the time this is all, all the votes are counted, um, which isn't, uh, you know, look, l- let's face it. We had a lot of polls out there that said 10, 12, 14. But, um, you know, I thought that there would be, you know, uh, that one, if you get over a five point uh, popular vote lead, there's no way you don't get over 300 electoral votes. That turned out to be true. Uh, you know, when this is all over, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure he'll have a five point lead. But I, I just think so on that score, at every way you look at this, it was a huge win for, for Joe Biden. Uh, the disappointment, I think, in the in House and Senate was that what I didn't see, um, and I don't think any of the polls saw, was that Donald Trump would generate the second largest vote in the history of uh, 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 presidential politics and, you know, get to 72. I thought he'd get to uh, 69 million, maybe 7 million, 70 million votes, and that uh Biden would be, uh, you know, 77, 78, somewhere up there. Uh, and that, I, I don't know what that would translate to, but I think it would be, you know, seven, eight point lead, you know, in terms of uh, how that would generate out. Uh, had that happened, I think we would have won 
uh, a lot of these uh, house seats and and probably uh, would have picked up uh, uh, another couple of, of Senate seats. The one thing that's clear about the Senate, though, and I think we're going to talk about that a little later on, so I'll, I'll save it. Uh, but uh, the one thing we're seeing with the Senate um, now for three cycles in a row, whoever wins the presidency in that state um, wins the Senate seats that are up in that state. And that you saw that with Mark Kelly at Arizona with uh, Hickenlooper in uh, Colorado. We, uh, Biden won Georgia. That's why we have two runoffs there. Um, and, you know, we fell short and he fell short in North Carolina. So we didn't get that pickup. And then the only real aberration um, to what we've now seen in three cycles is Collins and Maine. That's the only um, uh, aberration in now three cycles that, that I'm aware of. I, I may be a little off on that, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Joe, getting back to Georgia, uh, obviously with the two runoffs coming up, uh, we're already seeing some polls coming out. And it feels like we have to re-engage with polling again. Are you putting any stock into any of these polls? Uh, no, I don't see how you can. Again, when you had the, the Wisconsin poll up 17, you know, 20,000, you went by 20,000 votes. You have what Tester said about Bullock uh, being up and, uh, and he blindsided uh, just knowing what we went through uh, in Alabama. Uh, you know, the, the, like I said, the polling's broken. Um, and I think uh, that this is going to be, you know, the, 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 the thing to look out for, look for, excuse me, in Georgia is just it's turnout. Look, we had this massive turnout down there. Um, you've got a, you know, and one of the things that I think people should think about, I, I, I think uh, Dave Weigel uh, t uh, tweeted, J Doug Jones got uh, 673,000 votes when he ran in that special in December 17th that we were all part of when we won. Um, turned out um, uh, a few hundred thousand more Democrats. Uh, we set a, a, a record, I think, for Democratic votes. Uh, it was something over 900,000 votes in, in this presidential election and, and got swamped by this, this uh, uh, by the Trump turnout. Um, and now you flip that on its head a little bit. I think Georgia could be more like our special election in December 12th, right? People, everybody in the world knows you vote on November 3rd. But are all those same people who came out with with Trump and Biden on the ballot in Georgia going to do it again on January 5th? I mean, January 5th sounds a lot closer to December 12th to me. Um, and so I think there's going to be a drop off on turnout. And that's where I think this is getting back to what I was talking about earlier. Um, we all in Democrats, we know who the. The, the who the voters were who came out and gave us that uh, gave Biden that you know fourteen thousand uh, vote lead in Georgia, and put these uh, our candidates uh, uh, Osef and Wardock uh, into those runoffs. Um, we have a, a, a you know a, a organizational strength that Stacey Abrams and lots of people uh, down in Georgia have been building for years. Um, and they now know the names and addresses, phone number. They know exactly how to reach these people. And I think they're going to go into that. The, for the Republicans, the question is, can they deliver that same kind of turnout on, on January 5th, a strange day to vote, 
uh, that people aren't used to voting on that. How will they turn them out? And I think that, again, gets why the total reason um, that they they definitely need Trump to be engaged. They need to get out those Trump voters. They can't allow any of those Trump voters to stay home. And so to the extent that the Trump campaign is over, he's a loser, uh, President-elect Biden, um, anything that would depress that turnout, including him being more ticked at them for recognizing Biden than, than he is at, uh, uh, at, at the, uh, the Secretary of State of Georgia for, for not outing all the corruption that doesn't exist. Uh, I think all those things play to the reality that as much as we think Georgia is, you know, is something we can win, I think we, we, can, we can win it. I mean, I think it, it, we just need to get them the resources down there, um, not just the campaigns, but Stacey Abrams and other uh, groups that are going to be working this. Uh, the, uh, the Republican, uh, National Republican Senate Campaign Committee uh, just announced uh, right before we came uh, to, to record this, that they're putting 32, raising $32 million uh, just for a joint get out the vote uh, effort and putting sending a, a 1,000 organizers into Georgia. They're building that, they're doing this on the fly. We've got things in place because of people like Stacey Abrams and other leaders down there. Um, so I, I think. Uh, this is going to be an all-out turnout election, and I think that's why. I think that's the only real explanation for why the the so many Republicans in the Senate who who right now precariously sit on a, as as the majority with with all the trappings of the Senate Majority Leader and the Chairman of all those committees and so much power in their hands, they're not they're willing to enable this guy and destroy the you know uh, the semblance of democracy uh, and, and and put put their power in before ahead way ahead of the what's best for the country and they don't give a damn um, they're going to keep doing it and they're going to suck him in to campaigning down there and they're playing him. That's what's so bizarre about that, is that they know him well, they're playing him and he's being played. And um, and it's clear to me that that's all this is. Do you think there's a flip side to that, though, with the Democratic turnout? I, I know that a lot of Republicans or at least national Republicans are really jazzed and trying to fight for holding on to what they've got. But now that there's no Trump to run against, do you think we're going to lose some th- more enthusiasm uh, on I the Democratic side? I don't side? see that. I mean, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but again, we have an, in, an, an organizational structure in place um, that's going to be, you know, talking to these voters uh in their neighborhoods, on the ground, you know, whether it's text, door to door, whatever, they're going to get it out. Is it tougher for Republicans to get those uh, th- that huge rural surge that we saw? Can they replicate that without? Think about this: Trump is not on the ballot. Remember, we saw this in 2018, where Trump wasn't on the ballot, and uh, and. Democrats were able to get our vote out and we won a lot of uh, House seats and, a lot, you know, re- really made some gains uh, with Trump not on the ballot, even with him, you know, 
fully engaged in campaigning, can they get that same turnout? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if we can. I just think we're a better position to, to try, um, particularly with so much at stake. And, and by the way, you know, uh, it, it, the other thing is, um, you know, COVID and its impact on, uh, you know, we just had uh, more jobless claims today uh, as we record this. There's There are some things that may be happening that could just diminish a point or two of, of turnout on their side. I got to ask you our regular question about the direction of the party, Joe. It seems like this week people are still kind of pissed at each other online. You'd think we hadn't just elected a president with the most popular votes in history, but it seems like we're tearing ourselves apart again. And just explain this to me. It seems bad that we can't have more than one viewpoint existing at once in, 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 in our party. Well, look, it, it, it's like I said, when you look at the Senate, it doesn't really matter that we have, you know, run up five, six million vote lead in California or something. Uh, uh, California's got two senators, so does Idaho. So you've got that problem both in terms of the Electoral College and in terms of the Senate. There's a lot of ways the same problem. We have to win in um, in, in places that that we don't have that are not strongholds. Uh, if we're going to ever get a Senate majority, uh, but then when you look at what's happening now with the census and what they're projecting. Uh, you know, for the first time in history, California is losing congressional seats. For the first time since California has been a state, it's actually going to lose congressional seats with reapportionment. And, you know, and, and so is New York. Uh, and so you look at where we're losing seats, we're losing seats in places like California and Pennsylvania uh, and Rhode Island uh, and Minnesota. Uh, where are we, where, what states are gaining seats? Montana, Texas. Florida, North Carolina, uh, you know, so, so what's happening, uh, is the electoral college is shifting, uh, away from some of our strongholds, uh, to places where we need to be more competitive. Uh, Montana goes from one seat. It will now have two, uh, in this next, uh, uh, go around. So the problem with that is it, and by the way, that inf- affects the electoral college, because the Electoral College is how many House seats you have plus your two Senate seats. So California is going to, its its number of electoral votes is going down. Montana's is going up. Uh, New York's electoral votes is going down, as well as House seats. Uh, Florida, North Carolina, uh, Texas, they're going up. Uh, so when you think that, you know, that's not great news, Uh for Democrats, uh, unless we can start to compete um, in places like Montana. In other words, you have to at some point say Joe Manchin um, in in uh, West Virginia is better and who can compete there and win the seat uh, is more important than some litmus test uh, from any wing of the party uh, because we can negotiate, you know, AOC can negotiate with Joe Manchin far better than she can with Lindsey Graham. So, you know, that's just, that's one, one fact right there. Um, so we have to start to understand um, that we, we, we risk, uh, we either a big tent party uh, that, that can have Joe Manchin and AOC, 
uh, that we have a, a that, that's what works with the diversity in the house uh, where they can uh, negotiate a bill, amend bills and uh, and have uh, fights about whether a, a, a given solution is progressive or, or not enough. But compromise and it comes out of the house. It's a democratic house and, and it moves. The problem is that you can have all the bold ideas in the world. They're going to die in on you know in a desk drawer at McConnell's desk. And we saw we've been seeing that. Look, I I, I have been you know I was like the most woke kid uh, you could find uh, on my college campus. I I, I took on a, a big bank. Uh, that was investing in apartheid South Africa. I, you know, I, I, I uh, uh, literally uh, uh, w- led uh, and organized student students to march with Cesar Chavez for the great boycotts in, in Salinas, California, uh, and then I went to work for Ted Kennedy to primary Jimmy Jimmy Carter from the sitting president of the United States from the left, uh, and. You know what? What happened was that was great, and I, I I was right on all those things, but we got twelve years in the wilderness with Ronald Reagan uh, and George Bush. Uh, you know, twelve years where where we went to war, uh, progressives uh, versus you know uh, the status quo, whatever you want to call it, the moderate wing of the party, and it ended up uh, not working real well. And, you know, as I got older, I realized, hey, you know, it's not about me uh, uh, and my progressivism. It's about uh, getting power to push through the ideas, um, you know, that I was hopeful the country would move in that direction. The problem is to do that, you've got to compromise. That's what democracy is about. We have to be a broad based big tent party that understands that, um, you know, if we're going to win in Idaho, it's not going to be with, uh, you know, somebody who is just, you know, as, you know, putting out bold progressive ideas out there. That's just not how it's going to work. It's, unfortunately, it's incremental. And I think we have, if you look at what's coming down the, you know, with, with re- we lost the le- we didn't win any of the legislatures we were going for. Uh, we didn't win the Texas legislature. There's big hope there uh, in time to redraw these lines. They're going to redraw them. We're, we're they're going to redraw them um, so that they have more safe Republican seats. Those seats are moving from places like California to places where they get to redraw the, like Texas. Uh, and uh, and that's just reality. And so we can either join together uh, moderates, progressives, every wing of the party to um, to understand that we have to have a real long term strategy like they did, like the Republicans did that put us in this position. Um, Or we can just keep complaining that the Electoral College isn't fair, uh, that the way the Senate is apportioned isn't fair, uh, that we should have. Uh, non nonpartisan um, uh, 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 changing of uh, redrawing of of congressional lines, all that's true. Uh, but to get there, you have to win. We have to win. 
Joe Biden won. We now have the administration. We'll have an attorney general who actually cares about um, the Voting Rights Act. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a, a, a bunch of a, 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 an administration that's that's uh, a light and day from what, what we have uh, with Trump. Now, the problem is you can't sit there and go, oh, well, like Biden didn't he didn't have coattails. Well, you can't have coattails when essentially the Republicans have all been drawn into safe seats. Uh, Jim Jordan can sit there for frickin ever. Um, and there really isn't a whole lot we can we can do. We've got to be able to fight in these battleground marginal places, and we've got to be able to fight with candidates who can appeal to those voters. They're not there to represent me or represent you. They're there to represent the state of Indiana um, and, or the state of West Virginia. Um, but we need to not be fighting each other and need to respect that difference and, and help those people win um, or, or we're going to be, uh, a bunch of people with bold ideas that, like I said, die in Mitch McConnell's desk. It's, this is about how do you, you know, people ask, how do you reconcile that people pushing for progressive causes are right? Or how do we embrace, uh, progressives, but still appeal to moderates? Um, it's not a zero sum game. It's just being smarter about understanding that we have to have both. You can do both. I mean, a lot of people all the way during our primaries were like, you know, we can't, We the, the whole thing was, I want somebody who can really energize our base. And other people were saying, no, we have to reach out uh, to, to moderate Republicans and try to get them to join us. You know, we need to do both those things. There aren't enough you know, Alabama proves the point. There aren't enough Democratic Democrats in the base to turn out to unless you can pull some Republicans over. We failed at that. Um, and a lot of that is the polarization of Trump. Trump pounding the drum every day. Divide, divide, divide. Fear those evil Democrats. Fear them, fear them, fear them. Fear the socialists. Fear the the, uh, the, the people that are going to defund the police, um, and he uses those slogans against us where it hurts. And we just, that, that's not a, 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 an attack on the progressives in the party at all, but to say that, it's to say, look, we have to come together, sit at the table, figure out a strategy. How, how do we, uh, and, and, be a big tent party that understands we can do both things, but that if we try to push too far and too fast, particularly when we don't have power, it actually prevents us from gaining power. That's the, and in the end, as a progressive, we don't do ourselves any favors unless we help moderates gain power in the places we, we can't win. Joe, our listener question this week comes via iTunes from Dina123. Thanks, Dina. Will President-elect Biden get a cabinet? And can we have a cabinet of acting cabinet heads? Uh, no, he'll get a cabinet. Uh, uh, it, 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 the, 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 I think the situation is different than had we had, you know, 53 seats, right? Had we won the five, six, seven seats I was hoping for uh, that didn't come to fruition. 
Um, yeah, everything is like automatic. Um, uh, and the, you know, the Republicans wouldn't have much say they, they could make the hearings, uh, the committee hearings, uh, you know, troublesome, you know, ask embarrassing questions, tough, you know, and, and just keep harping over and over again, you know, on, on things, but they, they wouldn't have a say. Um, so I do think it may change the dynamics of who is nominated, uh, because I think confirmation now becomes uh, another important, you know, it wasn't, I don't think with a majority in the Senate, you don't have to worry about confirmation now, now you do. Uh, and that may, may mean that, I mean, there lots of things are different now. Uh, would, would he, would, would, th- does Biden have the luxury of picking a, a democratic Senator, uh, that he wanted in that position? Um, uh, you know, when you're not, not, not as likely now. Right. Uh, so there's things like that. I think the composition of the cabinet, uh, may be changed by the need for confirmation and also, uh, because of, uh, how tight, uh, now both the Senate and by the way, the house are that, um, some of those picks that you may have had in mind are, uh, are not as likely, uh, because of the political situation. But I, I have no doubt that, uh, 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 Biden will have uh, uh, a confirmed cabinet. I think it's very unlikely that uh, that he'll have to have you know acting cabinet members or or anything like that. Thanks for listening to that trippy show. A reminder: if you have a question, please submit it on iTunes in the reviews. And while you're there, uh, please give us a rating. Uh, you can also uh, email us at that trippy show at gmail.com and you can follow me at Joe Trippy on Twitter or Alex at at Shash Browns uh, and if you ask us a question there we will uh, do our best to, to bring them on the show so uh, thank you all very much uh, we're going to go back to uh, every Friday thing here unless something uh, breaks that we feel like we got to load up into a a Tuesday show for you. We will. Uh, but for right now, we're going back to every Friday. Thanks so much for all your support during all this and for your, for listening to us. And uh, hope we can keep adding to uh, what you should be thinking about as we move forward uh, and go through the the confirmations and the, and the swearing in and all the good stuff that's going to happen now. Thanks, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.